Welcome to Ivesian Newspeak, the podcast for Ivesian Arts. Ivesian Arts creates, curates, and presents pioneering genre-bending work in collaboration with its partners. Ivesian Newspeak is a podcast about our art and our artists. Episode 2, The Lives of the Saints, a conversation with Peter Joseph and Kevin Larkin. I interviewed Peter Joseph and Kevin Larkin at the B.J. Spoke Gallery in Huntington Village on a Friday night after the gallery had closed. Kevin is president of the Co-op Gallery and also conducts monthly poetry readings there. Poets Aloud is held every second Friday of the month, and the October 12th session was the subject of Episode 1 of this podcast. Larkin has produced other readings and events at the gallery, including a reading of selections from Joseph's haiku novel, The Way of the Trumpet, which was accompanied by the live, improvised trumpet solos of Grammy-nominated jazz trumpeter and composer Tim Hagens. I spoke to Joseph and Larkin at length about the origins of their work as collaborative artists, but especially about their collaborative assemblages, collectively titled The Lives of the Saints, a series which began in 1991 at the Mills Pond House in St. James, Long Island, part of the Smithtown Township Arts Council, where they were both artists in residence. Work on the assemblages has continued to this day, and five of the most recent saints are showing exclusively at Ivesian Gallery on the Artsy platform. Check them out at artsy.net forward slash Ivesian. A second conversation, which happened the same night, and was more about their individual work, currently being shown at Ivesian, is soon to be transcribed and available on the site in print. Episode 2. The Lives of the Saints. What I wanted to do is uh, just talk to you first about how you two began as collaborative painters, and then um, to discuss a little bit um, the genesis of the lives of the saints, which I believe began as far back as 1989 or 1990 that you first started working on those paintings, uh, or uh, we would call them assemblages. And uh, just get a little feel for, you know, how you've, over time, worked together on uh, various projects, but especially in um, relation to the Saints, which I think your first show was in um, Mills Pond House uh, for the Saints, and then that show was moved to um, the Advent Lutheran Church on 93rd Street in Broadway um, in 1991. Well, I'm Peter, and I uh, remember one moment which uh, was, in a sense, the genesis of the saints uh, at the 
Mills Point House, which you mentioned, which is the location of the Smithtown Township Arts Council. It's a historic landmark building, goes back to the 1820s. Part of it goes back to the 1700s, actually. And it's where the Smiths of Smithtown used to live. Uh, William Sidney Mount was a guest there. Uh, Sanford White used to you know, come to social gatherings. And at some point, we proposed a project called Portrait of an American Town. And it was not something that they had ever done, but the uh, wonderful uh, executive director, Norma Cohen, uh, she loved the idea, which is that Kevin and I would commandeer the entire building. We would work for two or three months and fill the building with portraits that are connected to the town, some of them actual. We photographed people. We did some uh, photorealists, which we had never done, some abstract expressionists. Uh, we did photography. Uh, and we invented uh, residents of Smithtown. There was one piece called uh, The Day Randolph Scott Left Smithtown Forever. And I believe that was a piece that was something we did a few times, which was to combine a finished painting of mine with a finished painting of Kevin's alongside of each other, and then perhaps we would rework each one a little bit. Um, and uh, we did fill the house. It was something like, I think, a hundred and something pieces that we did. You know, we just, we were, we were um, art monsters, we were maniacs. We worked all day, we worked all night. Um, and it was an interesting exhibition, and when it was, when it was over, we had what, in the world of uh, uh, automotive mechanics, you would call post-ignition, which is that you know you turn the ignition off and you're supposed to stop, but your car just kind of keeps going. It rumbles and you know it doesn't want to stop. So um, we really just uh, you know an object in motion stays in motion, a painter in motion, I guess stays in motion. And I had two canvases. In the studio, um, our studio, we were artists in residence, and our studio was where one of the aunts, one of the, you know, the women of the Smith family had lived. We actually met two of the Smiths. But the moment that I'm, that I'm referring to is that I put two canvases together as a kind of sandwich board. It was yeah. in an A-frame. This was after the exhibition uh, Portrait of American Town was already up. And um, I don't know, I was doing some assemblages for the town exhibition. We, we had maybe four or five of them uh, found object assemblages. One of them actually was a, um, something that they said that when we, when we showed it to some historian, he said, yeah, you know, you've, that log that you found was from an ice house that goes back to the 1700s. So, oh. um, but I remember it was an A-frame, and I was kind of doing a little bit of work on both sides, and I called uh, Kevin in, and I said, you know, we combined a more or less finished piece of mine with a more or less finished piece of yours. Why don't we actually work on the same piece, which we haven't done? And so I was working on the right-hand side at one point. You know, Kevin thought it was a, a cool idea. And at one point, and he was working on the left, he left the room, and I was working now on the left, and he came in and said, 
you know, why are you on my side? Why are you on my side? Yeah. makes no sense. And I said, you know, no, 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 no. You're, we, you're, we you're each invading, entitled to the invading. My, my, my yeah, who does that? I mean, you know, go, go, go off, go back to your side. And so, you know, instead of saying, you know, sorry I hurt, sorry I hurt your field, mister, <laughs> I said, um, no, 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 we're each entitled to work on both sides. That's what will make it interesting. And, you know, so if... So you hadn't uh, done anything like that? Um, no, never on the same... No, never on the, on the same piece. So I would be a, a better storyteller if I said... You know, if I invented a dialogue back and forth after that, if, you know, I said, no, 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 we can't do that. Or if I said there was a long pause, you know, and Kevin had to digest this. I honestly can't remember anything further than that moment, except for the fact that after I said that, that was pretty much the resolution. We, that's how we worked from then on. We decided we'll work these new pieces. The Saints. Well, they, yeah. we, we came up with the Saints. Right, Lives of the Saints. And every piece was, uh, uh, you know, uh, a combination of Peter and mine uh, working on these, these assemblages. I love them. I thought it was the best work that either of us had done. And I'll tell you why, because, you know, w w one of the reasons that Kevin and I get along, why uh, we like to show our work to each other and why we can work together, is that we are always trying to solve problems by creating worse problems so that we're not, you know, collecting ourselves. Uh, we're not doing what we know how to do. And that involves stepping out of yourself, which is not easy. And if you do step out of yourself, and if you're not Picasso, then you, how the hell do you solve those problems that you've created? Well, you know, what do you, uh, um, there are times when you think, God, I wish somebody else could just come in and finish this, because now I've made it so hard for myself. So if you're working with someone else and handing your piece off to them, they can just completely destroy what you've done. And that was part of the rule, was that if Kevin wanted to drill holes into it, if he wanted to go at it with a pickaxe, if he wanted to burn it, um, there's no, there was no respect for the amount of time that either of us put in on the piece when the other person worked on it. In those days, we were in the same room and were often working in the studio together. Um, and it's really interesting, there were times when he would hold the brush and I would be at the other end of the room saying, no, bring the yellow up, get, or get rid of that red, you know, or I'd be, I wouldn't but, even be there and he'd be working and I, destroying I, I think, what I had I done. Those original saints became such a momentous um, undertaking uh, eventually. And by the time we, I think we quick, quickly realized what these, um, objects can can be, and that that uh, pretty much uh, nothing like this uh, had really ever been done before, and and the fact that we could build anything we wanted and destroy it and rebuild it depending upon who was working on it. Um, uh, 
I, I think in, in the end, we kind of just really um, knew each other so well that it became this jazz assemblage of, of just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And um, the overpainting, the removal, the inclusion of objects, of, of pieces of memorabilia, of things that we would find. Of, we um, had authentic uh, antiques, and there was no mercy for them. It wasn't like, well, you know, here's an, it was some old uh, World War One poster that one of us might have found somewhere. Well, we'll Xerox it because, you know, we could sell this poster. <laughs> this is worth it. It would go directly onto the piece, you know, of, of sculptures, uh, yeah. plates, and then everything got um, painted books. painted over or added onto uh, or collaged over. Um, yeah, I love the, those, those early saints. I'm just curious, you know, you were talking about working on them and somebody coming in and destroying and then somebody coming back and, and then doing what they do. So how, how much of the work was like solos where one person would come in, do some work, leave, and then the other person would come and do work? It didn't feel like that to me. How, so there were times when you were both oh, working at, at the same time. Most of the time, every once in a yeah, every once in a while, uh, there were a couple of pieces. There was a Joan of Arc that Kevin worked a lot on while I was up at the Artist Colony Yaddo in Saratoga Springs, and um, I came down. I saw it, and you know, once in a while, you could tell uh, each of us could tell that the other person really didn't want us to destroy it because it looked so good you know it, it was it, it was more or less a finished piece as it was but um, again as I say there was no mercy though you know some, you didn't destroy it for the sake of destroying it but if it could go another step then you would take it another step all that mattered was the finished piece that's all that counted there was one piece I worked on um, Saint Santiago among the sharks that was a case where we you know, uh, sanctified our own saint. Neither of us was religious. The, the idea was to tribute this this great uh, motif in the history of art, but to do it our own way, and to also um, canonize some of our some of our own saints. I mean, the more recent ones. You have Saint Jack, which is Jack Kerouac. We have Saint John Coltrane. Uh, we have uh, Saint Genet. Um, it's a it's a very enjoyable kind of thing to do. Was the Santiago one of the original from the nineties? We, we, we we've done a recent yeah we yeah. did a recent uh, a Saint Saint Santiago among the sharks which is the old men in the sea, um, part two number two. Oh, so there was an original. That's yeah. was an original. Oh yeah, we yeah. sold the original, and that was mostly we your work. Right. We, we worked, uh, when that happened, our attitude was uh, like Lennon and McCartney, you know, where, where, where Lennon or McCartney used to say, well, you know, John did the middle eight. It, it was okay. It didn't matter how much work anyone had put in on any one of the saints. It was, uh, the two of us always worked on them together. Now that we're not working in the same space, we do a handoff. I'll say to Kevin, um, you know, I have a saint, and it's time that I handed it off to you, and he'll work on it. Sometimes it goes back and forth two now, or three times. Now, but however, it's much more brutal because... You're not in the same room. The you're, same you don't, room. You don't you know don't what's respect, going on. You don't respect <laughs> anything that the other guy did. So, so yeah. Um, Kevin said to me piece, once, what was that piece you said you were going to pay me? 
Oh. It's, which which it one was, was that? San, it was a new Santiago. I had brought it to a point where it was, in my opinion, pristine. And I, 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 I got on the phone and I said, I will pay you whatever you like if you will allow this piece to remain the way I have it right now. You actually named the, the price. You said $500, which, <laughs> which you know, I could have used the $500. That was, that's great. But it's funny, now that you're mentioning it, I have, it's so transformed from what Kevin gave me that I don't even have a concept of what it looked like at that time. And, and, and while I was working on it, we decided that perhaps we would um, make a film of that particular saint from that moment forward. And I think, um, oh God, it went through so many transformations. It was like attached to a canvas yeah. and then we detached it. And, and, and just during the course of the time that I was filming it, it became totally unrecognizable. And this is where I was working on it, you know, in my studio. Um, but Kevin said something once interesting, which is that he likes for the last stage to be mine, but the reason he likes it is that it will always be a step that is almost incomprehensible to him. Now, most artists, if you go into their studios, they're very good at explaining exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it, where they're going. I was once speaking up at, it was actually at Yaddo, um, speaking of Yaddo, and it was a group, and I was kind of talking about the way that Kevin and I work. And one of the other artists left the room. The next day she said, I hope you didn't think that I was being rude. It, had, it, wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't appreciate what you were saying. It was that it was just too terrifying for me. I just, I just couldn't. It was giving me palpitations, the idea that someone would work this way. And I had been into her studio, and she's the type of painter it will tell you exactly what her motif is, exactly where she's going with it, exactly what, in other words, the control was absolutely fundamental to her being able to enjoy being in that studio space. And we're saying the opposite. We're saying, uh, I'll be interested to see what happens when you drill holes in it and burn parts of it and take a sledgehammer it's, it's even to more, it. It's even a little more than that from my perspective. Handing it off to Peter to finish the piece um, and knowing that his attitude toward art is a very um, unusual one. Um, he's not interested in uh, making something that is a crowd pleaser making something that um, is going to sell, making something that is going to be uh, a beautiful. Um, uh, he has a twist on art in general that he's willing to push it, push it, push it, past the point of no return. Um, the piece that I gave him and said, please, I'll pay you not to not to work on it, had the kind of elegance and majesty that my work tends to uh, uh, cater toward. Um, 
in the end, the peace became unrecognizable to what I had handed off to him. Um, I'm interested in finding out what about the transformation, whether it's disturbing to me, whether it's completely against my grain as an artist, uh, what that is and why is it and how I'm part of something that is away from my own artistic sensibility. And that, to me, is a very strange and interesting place to be. And so I'm alone there, I think. I wouldn't know that there's a person in the world who, you know, artists are very, very, they believe their work is precious. They believe everything they do has a great, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's a part of them. It, 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 it comes from their inside, no matter what kind of work they do. And I'm allowing this <clears throat> work to take be taken away and transformed and yet it's mine as well um, I guess it's a conceptual idea I guess um, it's I guess sort of Duchampian uh, but even Duchamp wanted his pieces to be his so uh, this is a step in a different direction I love it we even thought at one point <clears throat> we'll do it eventually of having a plate Joseph and Larkin, a, a metallic plate that would go on to the assemblages, because we never sign them, really. We don't. It's, you know, so many, most artists are interested in self-expression, and we don't think that way. It's like, you know, remember in the theater uh, when we'd have a disagreement with someone in the cast, I, if it was something that I had written and was directing, I'd say, you know, I understand self-expression, but the, the the facilities are down the hall and to the right. It's just you know we're 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 up we're up to something else. Kevin once said to me, um, you know, most people they become painters because they want to be artists, but you're already an artist. You're you're a writer. You're an actor. You know, you've become a painter in order to paint. It's a different thing, but 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 it's not for me like a you know I'm not a Sunday painter. Um, I, you know, I, I, I work on it all the time, but um, the saints are, are, they are, for a lot of people, not only is it difficult to understand that we can work this way, but some of them are not easy pieces. Speaking of that Saint Santiago among the sharks part two, it's not an easy piece for me even when I see it. Or you know, it's very it's a very complex piece to to look at. Your perception of it is is you know the perceiving of it is is complicated. There's so much going on. Some of the pieces we do the Saint Genet, there's almost nothing there, but the the nothing thereness of it is strange, also. But Genet was strange too. And that's the other thing is that it, it it's. If you didn't know how the, we work, you could think, oh, well, they just did an interesting piece and then they found the name of a saint. But it's, that's not how we operate. 
Um, the saint may arise out of the working of the piece, but it has to make sense to that saint. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's a, it's a kind of a fraudulent exercise. When we showed the original saints, um, we had a lot of them were traditional um, you know, yeah. uh, oh, saints that had been yeah. ca canonized, St. Simeon Stylites, um, you know, St. Anthony, um, St. Francis, uh, uh, um, St. Peter. Yeah, occasionally it's an, uh, it's an, uh, it's an, ob it's an object. We have uh, uh, Thomas More's uh, chair or um, a piece of work, uh, the, the uh, St. Anselm's ontological argument. So it wasn't the saint himself, it was his, you know, argument for the famous argument for the existence of God. But our texts would, you know, be very straightforward biographical texts of that particular saint, despite the fact that you were looking so you so, at something that was, was you know, the, the opposite of straightforward they, they, they piece all, of prose. They all had, their, they all had descriptions. descriptions I think in education they call that schema. You know, we're, we're not just joking around. This really is a tribute to uh, St. August, Augustine's Confessions, despite that it might have a quote from Henry, Henry Miller in it or a chair attached to it or whatever uh, what other, uh, uh, other objects you're, you're seeing. Did you have that schema in the Mills Pond yes, house? Yes, we did. We did. Okay. Yeah. I remember it in, in, the, chur in the church, specifically. Church of the Advent, beautiful yeah blocks that were made, I think Ed Scott made them. They were just nice blocks of texts yeah. in, in yeah. squares. I, I, I don't know. I, I that don't was know. an extraordinary event because the the pastor of this church, Church of the Advent, which which hadn't been doing that well, and it's a, it, it, it in itself is a kind of a landmark. It has these, it's from the turn of the century, it has these beautiful Tiffany stained glass windows and they had this nice, you know, uh, altarpiece that comes to a, a center. And um, this this pastor wanted work in the actual sanctuary space rather than in the lobby or in the basement. And he really wanted us to come in. And we said, "Well, can we fill?" You know, again, how, we how were saying, he, "Can we how fill did the?" Find us. Do I don't know, but he had found the, uh, uh, there was a church in Cologne, Germany that had been doing this and he wanted to bring you know he his his congregation was was uh, he, he was new there and it was a diminished congregation so he wanted to bring you know some life into the into that space and so he invited us we even we even put huge pieces, back-breaking pieces on the back wall, on these old wooden walls we found a way, you know, without harming it. And at one point we were looking at this altar piece that they had, and I'll never, I said to Kevin, you know, we should somehow design a, design a piece that will fill in that space above their own altar piece and just beneath the ceiling. So we're talking about 40 feet up into the air. I said, you know, um, this is not kind of like doing what a Renaissance artist did. This is doing that. We're doing a piece for the wall of an actual church in the heart of a great city. It's exactly that. And we did this uh, St. Yeah. Jerome in his how, study how altarpiece. We, how we managed to, to, to figure out 
It was um, crazy. To, I mean, it was impossible. The, it, the wall was completely marble. It was impossible. It had, a, it had a large cutout, and that's where we were going to fit in this. Yeah, it was it was pre-shaped. So it was constructed in pieces. In pieces, we had to. The first step was that we had to rent a ladder. Second step was that one of us had to go up, and so of course it was going to be Kevin. And we had to rent this huge ladder. I mean, it was forty feet up in the air. Measure the the what uh, we did. do a do a do a template of, of each uh, of the out shapes. Newspaper, right? Out of newspaper, convert that into foam core cut canvas to the shape of the foam core, work on those pieces, and somehow make it all unified into St. Right. Jerome in the study. So we, so we glued and the then canvas, to, we glued the canvas to the foam core, and then Velcro the, the, the pieces back up into the sections above the altarpiece. I remember, because I remember <laughs> helping you put it up. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, yeah you there. were there. That was... Uh, and, uh, and it stayed up there. They did, yeah. The, 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 was the pastor great. wasn't sure that they were going to whether they were going to object. You know, what is this and so forth. And some people were very, very uncertain. Oh, you're going to put something directly on, on the altar? You know, right on the wall and so forth. And we said, no, we'll be able to take it down. Don't worry about. It. And it stayed up for it stayed up for the entire summer. Really, it stayed up for months until finally they took it down. And we actually still have the piece because it was in pieces. We were able to put it in uh, storage, so it'd be kind of cool. It was basically, you know, there's this tradition that Saint Jerome had a lion in his study while he was translating the the Bible into the Latin Vulgate. I later found out that that was a story that was uh, an anecdote that was attributed originally to a different saint, and a scribe accidentally screwed up and attributed it to Saint Jerome, but. In our Saint Jerome in the study, it's a rare case where you, where you can actually see the form of what looks like um, a lion, you know, up on its so on its was, paws that and so. The, that was what it was called. Saint, Saint Jerome, Jerome in the study. I think that yeah. was a, we did too. Yeah, there was it right. Yeah, there was a smaller I, one. I was trying to guess when I was writing about it uh, as an introduction to the Richard Selzer commentary from the letters. Um, yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. You should read some of that because that's wonderful. But I was wondering how big the piece was. I was guessing. I was thinking, at its highest, it might have been five feet. But as, at its length, I was guessing it was about twenty something feet. It is. It's about. I think it's twenty. It was twenty three feet. But but this strange shape that we yeah, you know had to uh, compose based on the altar that was beneath it. You know, the shape of the altar. Yes, Richard Selzer, who who is a, a surgeon author that I did a number of projects with. We did a, a book of talks together called What One Man Said to Another. Um, which you and I turned into an audio book. It was an audio, Blackstone Audio, yes, in which, in which, uh, which you, you, Raymond, play me play and I play and Richard. I yeah, that's a real schizoid <laughs> yeah. situation. Confuse um, everybody. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, you know, I wrote I wrote an afterward and for and illustrated uh, his book down from Troy. I wrote a, a, an introduction uh, to a paperback edition of his book, um, uh, taking the world in for repairs. Uh, this is from a book of his letters to me that I edited and illustrated, called Letters to a Best Friend, and it's Richard's correspondence with me. Only I cut 
my half of the correspondence because I thought it would be more interesting that way. And he's a much better epistolarian than I am. That's his word. I learned that word from him. So these are two letters that he wrote after he came to the Mills Pond House Gallery to see the first rendering of the saints. Yeah, and uh, he later did come to the church, actually. But um, I love these two letters that he wrote. The New York Times had come, and there was a misspelling of one word in one of the texts. It was the Joan of Arc, and it was my doing. I just didn't catch the typo. I spelled, um, you know, uh, burned at the stake. I spelled it as steak, S-T-E-A-K, instead of S-T-A. No, yes, I spelled it as steak, as the, as the flesh, rather than steak uh, that she was tied to. And it tells you something about the hubris of that world of criticism, that she actually took a pen and circled it on the printed text that we had on the wall. She just couldn't resist it. And she didn't take all that kindly to the exhibition. So when you hear um, Richard Selzer referring to the critics or to the Times, um, he had read that review. And at one point he also says something like, I, 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 um, I look forward to spreading the word. It's because he wanted to do an article on them for art and antiques, and he had gotten in touch with the editor there. He thought it would make a really interesting piece to have photographs and text. It didn't work out that way. Art and antiques just you know, didn't follow through on it. But um, they're short. Should I read them? Do you want to yeah, hear them? So this is uh, Richard Selzer to Joseph and Larkin, August 20th, 1991. Boy, that was a different world. I, I don't even remember who I was in 1991. Yes, I haven't been that person in so long. 27 years ago? Wow. That, 27 yeah. years ago. Trickster time. So it says, Dear Peter Kevin, this is a rare case where he's actually addressing a letter to, Both of us. to two people. Yeah, it was always just, you know, Dear Peter or Caro, he would say, you know, just Dear or, or Pietro, something like that or Piatra. Um, many, many thanks for a grand experience. The boat rides themselves were restorative. As he came on the ferry, sorry, I'm interrupting the, his letter. He came on the ferry from uh, Bridgeport because he lives in, uh, lived in Yale. Uh, uh, he was a surgeon at Yale New Haven Hospital and a professor there and teacher of writing. Um, the boat rides themselves were restorative. The fresh air, sea breeze, all of that. I was by far the best-looking passenger, so you can imagine the general ugliness that prevailed. Mills Pond House itself is a work of art, a perfect setting for the paintings, the way it gleams in the afternoon. It does seem filled with light and air. The lives of the saints is a revelation, marvelous, a unique body of work, full of color and texture and mischief. I do hope the opportunity arrives to spread the word. I'd like to describe it in terms of alchemy, 
the process of transforming lead into gold, junk into art. It certainly confirms the law of nature that matter can be neither created nor destroyed. How acutely the two of you recognize the life that exists in inanimate, opaque objects. I should also mention the spontaneity of the work, its sparky, improvisational character. It has a playfulness, but also a touching innocence and bravery. The two of you playing soldier? Also a touch of madness there. But surely these paintings are no more mad than the saints who inspired them, Simeon Stylites, Anthony, and the rest. No reviewer marching past can be expected to do justice. Don't worry about that. These pieces require leisurely perusal and even the guidance of the artists such as I was privileged to have. I must return to the vision I have of you guys exhuming from the void the half-buried regentimenta of the human race, torn postcards, shards of green glass, coat hangers, bits of caning unwoven from a chair and regrouped as a burst of light. The two-ness of creation flies in the face of the tradition of the artist as solitary figure, plumbing his own depths. But here, is a tribe of two, speaking the same language, expressing the same culture. Art, like literature, doesn't really exist without someone to look at it, feel it, palpate it. The application of the viewer's sensory organs in the painting is, to the painting is 50% of the worth of the piece. That's what changes it each time, keeps it fresh and lively. I am grateful for the chance to have seen these grand and powerful pieces. They will be hard to forget. Love to you all, Richard. And then, and this is really interesting, this is two days later, he's still thinking about it. You know, it's almost as if the, the lives of the saints existed in order for him to write these two letters. You know, to, to us, the letters are, 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 are as important as the pieces were. Oh, this is August 22nd, 1991. Dear Peter, I'm still dreaming about your paintings. While each component is identifiable and realistic, the total effect is often one of abstraction. It seems to me that it is abstraction used as a means of neutralizing the painful and personal. Pain is thereby reduced to a few vaguely evocative shapes. That applies to the reality as well. The use of known materials, it's a way of easing pain by objectifying it. And there is plenty of pain in these paintings, yours, Kevin's, and the saints. In some ways, it is a celebration of martyrdom. Perhaps it is fitting that a surgeon be called upon to examine this work. Any reviewer must be prepared to carry out a vivisection on these paintings, to dissect them down to nerve, artery, bone, in order to see how they work. 
no small burden in these times of deadlines, first impressions, and the lust for derision, as shown by the Times art critic. Forget all of that. I dismissed that stuff years ago. Personally, I love the idea of your searching for God through his saints in every heap of rubbish on Long Island, looking for God where he is most apt to be found. Such are my late afternoon thoughts on the lives of the saints. <laughs> That's Amazing. terrific. That's terrific. That's better than the saints. We'll That's that all you in, need. We'll That's have that up in print on the uh, on the site. But yeah, it's great to have it. Have you reading it? And it's just what I love about it is it just tells you the kind of artist he was and friend. You know that he's still thinking about it and appreciating it and uh, and being so generous. You know, as he always was to me. I mean, that for Kevin and I, that's been, you know, as an artist, you live in a world of no, almost all of the time, you know, no, especially if you work in multiple fields, which I do, you know, as a filmmaker, as an actor, as a writer, as a painter, as a photographer. It's a world of no. And when you receive a yes like this, you know, this kind of positive support and encouragement, it becomes a kind of ally and it stays with you uh, really uh, every hour of every day. It, it, you know, it supports you. It's, it yeah. becomes a, a, a companion in a sense, that, that yes. You don't get that many of them. And when you get them that brilliantly expressed, <laughs> it's like, you know, that's... Uh, as, uh, as, as, as Henry VIII says to Thomas More about his friendship, man, that's water in the desert, and a man <laughs> for all seasons. Yeah. Sorry to talk so long about the saints. What do you think he means when he says the two of you playing soldier? That's always puzzled me. I don't, I I don't quite, like a, what is like that? like two boys in the playground, you know, having fun, imagining uh, together. Ah, you mean putting ourselves in the in the place of the saints somehow? Like sort of the play acting that would go on between two kids playing, hmm. imagining being soldiers on the battlefield. You were kind of playing. That makes that sense. Yeah, that, what you were creating. That makes that makes yeah. sense. I think we had a text. We had a quote from Alfred North Whitehead. Uh, I've forgotten what that was. We had a text that said something to the effect that no one really chooses to be a saint. You wouldn't really. It's something that happens to you. And that as artists, we could relate to that. Because Kevin and I would probably say to a younger um, aspiring artist, if you're choosing it, don't do it. But if it chooses you and you can't not do it, then it is really isn't a choice. So the advice, in a sense, is irrelevant. I often say, uh, you know, living the life of an artist, um, I wouldn't wish it on anyone and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But it's not a choice. Really, you know, so in that, only in that sense, do would we say that we have something in common with these, 
you know, these classical saints or the, or, or the individuals who we canonize. Remember we canonized, canonized Pierre Toisson. That was nifty. It was a guy, he was a slave. He was freed. He was living in New York. He became a hairdresser to the wealthy. He himself became wealthy, and he contributed to the original building of St. Patrick's Cathedral, which I don't think is the one on Fifth Avenue. I think it's the one that's in Mean Streets. I think it's the old one where they, you know, where where um, De Niro and uh, Harvey Keitel go and put their handkerchiefs out on the on the on the. I mean, could be wrong about that, but I I take it that it's at St. Patrick's, right down in Little Italy. Yeah, well, but he but he, he wasn't allowed in. But he was not. But no, he, he was, was not, not canonized. We did it. The church wouldn't do even, it. But they weren't. He wasn't but, like think. They weren't thinking of it. Or I think they were, but they didn't get. They didn't, they, yeah, that. but they didn't get around to it. So we decided we'll be in the forefront. We'll be in the avant-garde of of yeah. canonizing Pierre Toisson. That was a big one. That was one of the biggest saints we 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 made. Yeah, it was gigantic. I mean, I'm trying to envision it. Weighed two hundred pounds. I remember the Mary Magdalene because you that had you had that on the postcard that you sent to me. I got it. Uh, I don't know where was I living. I was living in the city, where I was uh, living in uh, Sunnyside, yeah. and I got that postcard. And it has the pic. It was Saint Mary Magdalene. The Brandos. It has a picture of Brando and yeah. it has a skull and hay. And, rem- and hay. Yeah. And I remember, oh, holy crap. I, I looked at that thing for the longest time, and I, I thought, how does something like this get made? I just couldn't believe it. I just was so amazed that it was a it was a beautiful work of art. And that yet was it was made up of all these diverse things, and I. Yeah, there was a few was of them. That phenomenal. being one, that I think <clears throat> somehow, well, a lot of them in a way, they were not like each other. The, you know, the, yeah. the we weren't cookie cutters. Each piece was, was Each different. piece was different, and 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 that one, um, well, we picked it for the postcard. Um, we I should mean, put that image up. I, I should get sco- you that image. Just yeah. put it up uh, online. I mean, yeah. Do you have it? You have it. Oh, yeah. yeah, we have postcards. Yeah. yeah, you have the postcards. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We have to put it up. <laughs> um, uh, I remember yeah. I kind of dealt with the skull. And, and the hay, and, hay and, and yeah. some of the wood that we had. It was real hay. It wasn't just yeah, it was you real know, hay. plastic. Then yeah. we just painted over it or sealed it up with some stuff. But it was the Brandos that Peter attached to them. Some, that, Im- some images from uh, West Tango in Paris, but I would have to say most. Um, wasn't one of them like mm-hmm. a headshot? Yeah, most impossibly, there was a, a shot of Brando that I put into a, um, a, 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 a frame. Yeah, a um, uh, not glass, but uh, Pyrex case, and so it was the kind of thing. If someone were a real Brando fan, they would take this image and they, you know, put it in this plastic case. But it, but, but we put that entire case right into the piece it just you know it was the kind of thing where you would glue it on maybe or wrap it around something we just put this entire brando right but 
on there, but without any, it's important to understand that without any discussion, though, it wasn't like, oh, it's Mary Magdalene, and, you know, I'm just trying to imagine what we would have said if we had said it, but we did, oh, maybe this, he represents one of one of his, one of her clients, or none of that. Just there was no. It was pure perception, not conception. We never talked them out. And, we never discussed them. What, what we did discuss yeah. is: Do you think there's too much blue up there on the upper left? You know those kinds of discussions, but never anything con conceptual. Con right. Never, the ever, interesting not thing about once. That piece is, and, and exactly. I mean, it, it couldn't be more true. Um, you would say, all right. I'm putting a picture of Brando on this Mary Magdalene. And like you said, there was no discussion. There are four Brandos, I think. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah. I there remember are, the one. But there there are sure. about four images of Brando. There are four, because I remember them. Oh, that's there's, interesting. There's one from... Um, uh, uh, Last Tango, there's uh, one. Communion on the Bounty, huh. right? There's one that um, clipped on in a little plastic clip. And then, and then there was a headshot. I think there were like four Brandos on there. Um, anyone would say, you know, you've you've overdone it. It's 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 now it's now some kind of joke. Is this a joke of some sort? Is it? Am I? I don't. It's a joke I don't get, of some sort. But it was done with such ingenuity and such su su such a a. Um, it was it was it was done somehow with with a saint in hand that there's there's there was nothing to think about. Yeah, we had to do her justice somehow, but it was all um, operating on an intuitive level without any intellectualizing. At all, you always uh, once once that was going to be Mary Magdalene. I could have said, Peter, why yeah. are there four Brandos on here? Isn't <laughs> one Brando plenty? Uh, you know, yeah. I'd never even crossed my mind. So you you when you were working on these, you started with the saint. No, you said, sometime no saint no no Peter. no the the piece would tell us would hint at who uh, at some point who who they were. At some point, there were other times when they did not speak to us their identity, and we had to look for it. We actually had, you know, uh, um, lives of the saints that we would, you know, uh, they were not necessarily always forthcoming as we were working on them. Sometimes it was more obscure. Sometimes we had to, you know, search them out. There were other times when it was just, oh, yeah, oh, I see. I see who you want us to make you. And um, yeah, it was an interesting. It still is an interesting process, even though we're not doing it now. You know, in the same room, a lot of those early saints, um, they they were sold, or you know, we weren't able to keep them because they were just too gigantic. I remember driving through the city. Um, as I say, we used antiques, and we also used, as uh, Richard Selzer said just, you know, the rejectamenta of the human race. I remember driving in Manhattan, and you know those um, uh, police barricades. Well, there was just an, there was just one plank of a barricade, but there was no barricade. It wasn't in use. It was just lying in the gutter, and it had that really bright, luminescent red on it that they would sometimes use, you know, to call attention to it. 
And, you know, somehow we just managed to fit it into the car. I could barely drive with it sticking up into the front seat. But we used that on, yeah. on, on one of the pieces. We used quotations from, I mean, there's a quotation from one of them. I think it's uh, 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 Soul on the Road to Damascus. And it has a quotation from uh, Hemingway's uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. Those are things that would just crop up from memory. You know, I, I remember from reading it when I was 14, uh, Robert Jordan could feel his heart beating on the pine-needled floor of the forest. Now, what does a quotation from For Whom the Bell Tolls that you remember from when you were 14? Because the novel sort of begins and ends with almost the same sentence, uh, and I just remembered it. What exactly, intellectually, does that have to do with uh, Saul on the road to Damascus? It was, was it St. Peter, which it, we, it we did? along the bottom, right? Oh, yeah, in blue. Yes, you're right. Bottom. You're right. What, what intellectually, what's the connection, you know, if we were writing an essay on it? The answer is, if we try to answer those questions... Um, those, you know, it's like the, uh, we, we would never be able to do those pieces the way that they are. The question you do ask all the time, you know, Picasso said a, a, a picture is the sum of its destructions. You always have to be willing to assassinate what you've done. Either I have to do it to my own work or Kevin has to do it to mine or I have to do it to his if it doesn't work for the piece. But you don't censor yourself. You don't stand in your own way by trying to, you know, if I put this in, how would I explain it to someone who asked me why it's in there? If you need to answer those questions, then you're not really, you're not, you're not, you're not working right. You're standing in your own way. And, um, but because of the fact that I included that line from Hemingway doesn't mean that Kevin couldn't come in and obliterate it. You know, if it didn't work from his point of view, then then it's gone. And you know, my my intuition has, in a sense, been assassinated. That's fine. I might have done it myself the next day. You've been listening to Ivesian Newspeak, Episode Two: The Lives of the Saints. I'm Raymond Todd. I want to thank Peter Joseph and Kevin Larkin for speaking with me about their collaborative and their individual work. Five of their newest saints and many of their new solo works are at Ivesian Gallery online exclusively on the Artsy platform. Have a look at the work and ask us questions. Consider purchasing a painting or even a saint. You can find Ivesian at artsy.net forward slash Ivesian. That's artsy, A-R-T-S-Y, dot net forward slash Ivesian I-V-E-S-I-A-N Thanks to Michelle Brangwin who edited both episode one and episode two of this podcast. The next few episodes will include readings of the work of Peter Joseph, Raymond Todd, Kevin Larkin, and others. More artist interviews and new music. Thanks for listening. Thank you.